0: has there been another damn rewrite breaking news turns out if you write tv shows how they're supposed to be written they're better daredevil has completely scrapped what it's going to do and restart from scratch lots of drama on the aquaman 2 set being revealed by variety and we're going to break down what we think marvel's biggest problem is right now that and a lot more including the box office on today's episode of the movie night's roundtable What's up, dude?
1: How you doing? Not bad, not bad. I'm chilling, man. Just Chilling on this
0: fine Sunday as we're recording. You're watching on Tuesday. Sorry about the gap. <laughs> watch, watch some big news happen on Monday. It's what tends to happen to us. Oh yeah, every single time.
1: It, you know, it's it is what it is. It's we 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 try our best. We that's, we try our best, and that's really all we can do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is this is but life. We have a hell of a show, though. If you want to break it down for our oh, listeners, yes, we do. We have.
0: A ton of stuff to talk about. First, we're going to do the movie news section of our show, where we cover a deep dive into some topics going on in the world of movies. Mm -hmm. Then we're going to view a couple more headlines with the B-roll section of our show, and that will lead right into the box office, the best part of the whole entire show. But before we do go on to the final part of the show and before the b-roll we're going to kind of break down what we think marvel's biggest problem is because i think what everyone can see is there's a problem going on Mm -hmm. that they seem to be on the mend fixing which we'll talk about in a second but we both kind of wanted to give our two cents as to what we think that big
1: problem is yes so with that down nicholas what's our first story today yeah let's dive right in aquaman 2 has been flooded with drama this past week Uh, With reports of Jason Momoa allegedly being drunk on set, Amber Heard scenes getting cut, Elon Musk writing to Warner Brothers in a scorched earth letter, and much more. Yeah,
0: so um, this article came out of Variety, and it's kind of detailing a lot of the drama behind the last DCEU film, and uh, the article does a really good job of kind of having both sides come into this, and the article reveals an, an awful lot. So I'm going to read verbatim from the article here, and I will also be screen recording it so you guys can see it as well. Uh, it's talking about um, notes from therapy notes from Amber Heard, and it says Jason said he wanted me fired. The notes say Jason drunk, late on set, dressing like Johnny, has all of his rings too. A rep for Momoa declined to comment, but a DC spokesperson pushed back on Heard's characterization, saying Jason Momoa conducted himself in a professional manner at all times on the set of Aquaman: The Lost Kingdom. Others echoed that sentiment. "'Jason works his ass off, likes to have a beer once in a while, like everyone, but doesn't show up drunk on set,' says an insider who was on the London set in 2021, adding that the two stars got along and were seen joking together. And he isn't dressing like Johnny Depp. He has always dressed in that bohemian style.' Heard declined comment, but a source close to the actress confirmed that the notes refer to the Aquaman 2 set and reflect a session from December 27th, 2021. Another source close to the actress says her lawyers fought the release of the therapy notes, which had been subpoenaed by Depp's attorneys during Discovery. Momoa was not the only Aquaman principal to land in the crosshairs. The therapy session also painted a picture of Heard feeling unsupported by the film's director, James Wan, and treated like a pariah because of her high-profile legal battle with her ex-husband. He raised his voice at me. I can't even post about Aquaman, made it like it was my fault. I said I'm sorry, said Hughes notes in reference to Juan. Nobody could take selfies with me on set given the blackout. Juan declined comment, but that same DC spokesperson says, James is known for treating members of his cast and crew with the utmost respect and for fostering a positive collaborative environment on set. The Aquaman films were no exception. And yet, Heard was nearly fired. Sources on both sides tell Variety, following Aquaman's release in 2018, the studio and Juan decided to drop the actress from the sequel due to her lack of chemistry with Momoa and sent a letter to her attorney, Carl Austin, informing him of its decision. Former DC Films boss Walter Armada testified in the defamation trial about the issue of chemistry. Those sources underscore that the move to bounce Heard was unrelated to Depp and took place before he filed the suit against the actress in 2019. Likewise, Momoa was not involved in the decision making, but another source pushed back on the lack of chemistry narrative, noting that Hurd did a chemistry test with Momoa before landing the role of Mara in the first place and beat out the other two lead actresses who did a similar chemistry test, including Abby Lee. Ultimately, the studio never pulled the trigger on firing Herd because her former boyfriend, Elon Musk, had one of his litigators send a, quote, scorched earth letter to Warner Brothers threatening to burn the house down if the actress wasn't brought back for a sequel, says a source familiar with the behind the scenes battle. Warner Brothers caved and moved forward with Herd. Musk did not respond to request for comment. Now, that was a lot. Sorry that I read pretty much verbatim the Variety article there. but That's just the surface of it. Yeah, but there, but there was a lot to break down yeah. there. Um, look, we're not going to get into the TMZ bullshit of it all, but we do want to give our thoughts on this and kind of break down both sides of this. Um, let's also take into consideration that this is somebody's therapy notes. It doesn't matter how you feel about the person. These are therapy notes. So they're obviously going to be swayed into how one particular person feels. Mm-hmm. And so with the notes of being like, he's dressing up like Johnny, wearing his rings, telling me he wants me fired. I'd be inclined to believe it because DC typically never comments on anything. But the fact that a spokesperson with DC came out and said, "Hey, everyone on the set loved Jason Momoa," that's not really true. Yeah, but it's still worth noting and worth reporting on. And I'm glad that they included both sides of that argument. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, also showing up drunk on set, I have a hard time believing as well. It'd be one thing if we've heard about a pattern of this behavior from Jason Momoa, but we haven't.
1: I mean, even the same thing of like the wanting fired on set, like the behind the scenes, like he was on Game of Thrones for a bit him and uh his co-star Amelia Clark who's now with Marvel but like that was like a huge like hey get her like they have great chemistry and they love each other and all that jazz and even with Fast and Furious the most recent one we know there was a lot of drama on that set and yeah. Jason Momoa's name was not near any of it
0: yeah and and also w- what I will give Amber Heard's camp mhm um, I do believe that they were going to use the issue of chemistry as just a scapegoat to try to fire her. Mm-hmm. I do believe that because, as the article points out, it's like they did chemistry tests when they cast her. Like, that's not the point. I think that they were, they just saw it coming, like the legal battle coming, and they were like, we'd want to avoid this. But in the end, yeah. didn't fire her. And like the Elon Musk letter is so weird. Like, can rich people just write companies' letters and then they listen? Like, well, I th- they they dated. Well, I know that. Yeah. yeah. But like, he's just a rich dude. Yeah, who like wrote like like if I was dating fucking Amelia Clark, yeah. and I wrote Marvel and said, "Hey, man, don't fire her." You think that they would look at my letter? Yeah, that no.
1: was. <laughs> your Elon Musk, I guess it gets looked at. Yeah, but I I, I still no, yeah. I just still found that strange. I believe it. I just found it strange. I think the thing with it is that he's crazy and will spend whatever amount of money and roadblocks it takes to make that a thing. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I think it was more of like, does he care? Probably not. Will he spend the money? Yes, Yeah. He bought Twitter for fuck's sake.
0: Yeah, that is true. He did, did, in fact, buy Twitter. Um, One thing that the article also does mention is it mentions that none of the principal Justice League cast will be returning to the DCU, which there was some debate as to if Gal Gadot was going to show up because Mm -hmm. of some of her previous comments, but I'm also going to pull from the article one more time here. In fact, none of the stars cast by Zack Snyder for 2016's Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice and 2017's Justice League, including... Ben Affleck, Henry Cavill, Gal Gadot, Ezra Miller, and Momoa will reprise their roles in the New DC Universe in character. Momoa may return, just not as Aquaman. Sources say the actor has engaged in talks to play Lobo, either in the 2025 reboot Superman Legacy or in a standalone film. Now... Finally, a trade has confirmed that, because that was all but confirmed with everything we know about Lobo and Jason Momoa. Um, this is official trade confirmation that not even Gal Gadot will be returning. We fucking knew Ezra Miller was not returning. Mm-hmm. We also knew that Henry Cavill and Ben Affleck were not coming back. So, um, this is interesting. The only people Gunn have, has confirmed are coming back are John Cena. Um, Viola Davis. Viola Davis and uh, um, Zolo um, Madunia, Madunia? Uh, the actor who plays Blue Beetle. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious as to why he's not mentioned Margot Robbie
1: because that seems like an, that seems like an odd choice to not bring back Margot Robbie. I also believe Sean Gunn is voicing Weasel in Creature Commandos mm-hmm. uh, for sure. So for therefore, sure. Weasel always reigns supreme. Yeah, yeah. But,
0: uh, but but I, I thought that this whole thing was just interesting. You know, of course, the last movie in the DCEU is not going to go without drama, Mm-mm. and Mm-mm. you Get know, all out now. Yeah, and they're kind of putting out this movie to die, which I, I feel bad about. Because look, I love James Wan. I love. I thought the first one was really fun, and Octopus plays the drums for Christ's sake. Hell yeah! But um, I, I, I think that all of this, what this does, what all of this does, all this drama is just further evidence that they need to reboot the fuck out of this thing. Mm-hmm. I wish it was more a reboot than it is, but it needs to be rebooted.
1: Still, I'm just curious. Yeah, what size her role will be now in this final cut? Yeah because they're really marketing as this sort of buddy adventure movie between him and Patrick Wilson. Mm-hmm. It seems like Mir's just doing her thing. Yeah, I mean, I think she's in a split-second shot in the first trailer. Yeah. so, But yeah. I also get it with all the legal battle and how highly publicized that trial was. Just like, maybe we just yeah. army hammer this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And also,
0: briefly following up on something we talked about a while ago, James Gunn has confirmed that nothing before Creatures,
1: Commandos and Superman will be canon. Mhm. So that makes me a little bit happier except for everything John Cena remembers. Yeah, yeah. I really think that they're going to like Michael Keaton vulture Sony universe it where he's just going to something. Oh, that'd be, be so the funny. Only that just goes.
0: Well, what I think we're going to see is we and we meet a peacemaker who's who he in which he has killed his father. Mm. And he has killed Rick Flagg. I think that's going to be cuz James Gunn did say Famous DC storylines will be felt in the new universe because they're just, he didn't use this phrase, but it was kind of like canon events from across yeah. the Spider-Verse. Like,
1: there's just certain things that happen. Like, Bruce Wayne's parents died. What?
0: Like, you know, I'm sure it's going to be stuff like that.
1: I just think it would be funny if John Cena's Peacemaker does just transfer and then just kills that universe's Peacemaker. That would be hilarious. I replaces. I would love that. I would love that,
0: personally. Um, they won't do this, but I'd love it more if that if the original Peacemaker was The Rock. That'd be really funny. <laughs> no, but uh, but yeah, that that's kind of the whole Aquaman two drama that's been going on. What do you guys think about it? Please leave your comments down below as we move on to our next story. Nicholas, what do you got for us next?
1: Oh boy, we we'll going to the other side of the superhero coin. Uh, Marvel's having quite the bit of shakeup in their TV division as Daredevil has officially hit the reset button. Launched during the pandemic with a playbook to shoot 150 million plus season with no pilots, the Disney unit is undergoing growing pains and seeing the logic of traditional TV culture, starting with that Daredevil reboot.
0: Newsflash. Marvel has figured out that making TV shows like they're supposed to be made can work. This is mind-blowing stuff, everybody. Yes. Um, I'm going to poke fun a little bit because this is huge news. It's massive. It's it, like I, I, I literally sent Nick this article with just like, holy shit, you have to read this whole thing. Yep. Like it's crazy shit in here. You're going to find out some shit, guys. But uh, let's take it from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Daredevil: Born Again was filming when this WGA and SAG strikes started, and then it had to stop. Yes. During the strikes, Kevin Feige and other Marvel executives took it upon themselves to finally be like, oh, we were fucking busy, but let's now... Let's take a look at everything. Let's take a look at everything. Like, let's watch it and figure it all out. And uh, they didn't like what they saw. They didn't like what they saw so much that after the money spent shooting less than half of the show, but that's still a lot... I think it was four episodes, right? That's what was finished. Yeah. Like, edit, like for an edit. Yeah. Um, they are scrapping the show that they've shot and doing it again. That does not happen. Uh, I'm going to read directly from the Hollywood Reporter now. It didn't take long to see the problem after Marvel Studios' Daredevil Born Again paused production in mid-June during the writer's strike. Fewer than half of the series' 18 episodes had been shot, but it was enough for Marvel executives, including Kevin Feige, to review the footage and come away with one cleared-eyed assessment. The show wasn't working. So in late September, Marvel quickly let go of head writers Chris Ord and Matt Corman and also released the directors for the remainder of the season as part of a significant creative reboot of the series. The Hollywood Reporter has learned. The studio is now on the hunt for new writers and directors for the project. And, guys, this is just the beginning of a crazy thing that we're about to dive into. But first, before we get into the rest of it, let's talk about the Daredevil thing. Bro, holy shit. I think
1: think a great start is, you know... Why hire the people who did Deck the Halls in the first place? Listen. But that's neither here nor there. I
0: defended it then, I defended it now. Apparently the reason why they say the show wasn't working is because it was more of a legal procedural that didn't see Daredevil suit up until the fourth episode. Mm -hmm. Interesting choice,
1: right? Okay, but yes. But also Daredevil doesn't suit up until the last episode of the first season. Right. Just make a good season. But I think what they mean is he yeah. wasn't even Daredevil. Ah. Uh, like he like was just... He was just doing... lawyering.
0: Yeah. Uh, because we've seen him in the in the She-Hulk suit and the other suits. Yeah. Why would he go back to the black? hmm You know, there's no reason to.
1: Yeah, like it was just lawyer stuff. Yeah,
0: yeah. And which could have made a good show, but it's clearly not the show that they want. Mm-hmm. What makes me happy is they said that one of the reasons they sh- thought the show wasn't working is that it wasn't like the Netflix show. Does that mean, guys, that it's, <laughs> it's going to be canon? Because <laughs> here's the thing. Yeah. Now, the book that I ordered, the Marvel Timeline book, c- gets here in a few weeks. Mm-hmm. They did not cancel this show before that book got here. So maybe it's not canon in the book. And I was going to take that as like, the it's not canon. There's new hope, guys. <laughs> There's new hope that it could <laughs> be canon. That. Don't give me hope. I, but, but in all seriousness, um, obviously not a good look to do this but at the same time I think it's a great look to do this Mm -hmm. because Kevin Feige I like to imagine he was sitting down after a long day and was like you know what let's check out this Daredevil show we got going on and then he was just like what the
1: fuck is this yeah like he was like looking he's like (laughs) "All right, I'm sure I'm gonna have to look at Echo Wonder Man like uh, give me Daredevil (laughs) like let me start out on a
0: high yeah and, but look, good on them to just recognize it's not working and try to fix it, mm-hmm. honestly, because not many studios are in the position to be able to make that call. Oh, no, <laughs> like, you,
1: you just got to roll with it.
0: Most most studios by now, if it wasn't working, would just cancel the show, and that's it.
1: I mean, you can't roll with the punches at a level unless you're Marvel. No, like, it, exactly. And even then, it's still losing a lot of steam.
0: Yeah, exactly. And um, But what this did is it kind of opened Marvel's eyes to redoing how they do their television shows by going to traditional television and how television shows normally work. Because when they were making their limited series and their shows, they were doing it the Marvel way mm-hmm. of having a head writer, couldn't call them a showrunner, a head writer who would write all the scripts, be in charge of the writer's room, but then when the director would come on, the power would switch back to them. And that that's not, not normally how it works in TV. So I'm going to break down a little bit more of this article to kind of talk about what made them come to that decision, why they're going to do that, and also talk about some stuff that happened on Secret Invasion, which is no surprise considering how, let's not mince words, how bad that show was. Considering
1: what we saw.
0: Yeah. So, uh, let me dive back into this article here. The company issued the traditional TV-making model. It didn't commission pilots, but instead shot entire 150 million-plus seasons of TV on the fly. It didn't hire showrunners, but instead depended on film executives to run its series. And as Marvel does for its movies, it relied on post-production and reshoots to fix what wasn't working. With Daredevil's new direction, Marvel hopes to write the ship on a project with sky-high expectations. The show is Marvel's first to feature hero who already had a successful series on Netflix running three seasons. But sources say that the Corman and Ord crafted a legal procedural that did not resemble the Netflix version known for its action and violence. Cox didn't even show up in costume until the fourth episode. Marvel, after greenlighting the concept, found itself needing to rethink the original intention of the show. Marvel plans to keep some scenes and episodes through the other serialized elements and will be injected with Corman and Ord becoming executive producers on the two-season series. Daredevil is far from the first Marvel series to undergo drastic behind-the-scenes changes, however. Those who work with Marvel on TV side have complained about a lack of central vision that has, according to sources, begun to afflict the studio's shows with creative differences and tension. TV is a writer-driven medium, says one insider familiar with the Marvel process. Marvel is a Marvel-driven medium. And now here's where some drama comes in on some other shows, a lot of which we did not know. On the Oscar Isaac star Moon Knight, show creator and writer Jeremy Slater quit, and director Mohamed Diab took the reins. Jessica Gao developed and wrote She-Hulk Attorney at Law, but was sidelined once director Kate Coyle came on board. Production was challenging with COVID hitting the cast and crew, and Gao was brought back to oversee post-production, a typical showrunner duty, but it's the rare Marvel head writer who had such oversight. Even though the company does not have a writer-first approach to TV, directors could feel shortchanged as well. The whole fix-it-and-post attitude makes it feel like a director doesn't matter sometimes, said one person familiar with the process. As its shows ramped up during the pandemic, Marvel stepped outside its usual staffing approach and brought in outside execs after years of internally promoting creatives who had been sufficiently trained in the Marvel method. This change was felt most severely on Secret Invasion, the Samuel L. Jackson-led thriller that stands as Marvel's worst-reviewed series. Kyle Bradstreet, a writer and executive producer on the USA Network, with Emmy winner Mr. Robot, had been working on scripts for Secret Invasion for about a year when he was abruptly replaced after Marvel decided on a different direction. Enter new writer Brian Tucker, who penned the crime thriller Broken City, Thomas Bashuza, who hummed the thriller Let Him Go, and Ali Salem, who worked on the Hulu's 9-11 drama The Looming Tower, were on board as directors to help crack the story. So far, so normal, at least by Marvel's standards. Details are murky, but what happened next in the summer of 2022 debilitated the production as factions became entrenched and leaders vied for supremacy during secret invasions pre-production in London. It was weeks of people not getting along and it erupted, says an insider. Marvel declined directly to comment on this matter. Of course they didn't. The company dispatched Jonathan Schwartz, a senior executive and member of Marvel's creative steering committee known as the Parliament. Marvel has a creative committee known as the Parliament. What the fuck? It's a (laughs) well-known fact, Sonny Jim, that there is a secret society. <laughs> to get secret invasion back on track when it was falling behind schedule on the verge of losing some actors because of other commitments by early september a good portion of the invasion team had been replaced with the new line producers unit production managers and assistant directors and bashuza who was supposed to direct three episodes left the show because of new scheduling conflicts the marvel executive overseeing the show chris gary was reassigned and according to sources is expected to depart marvel when his contract
1: is up at the end of the year he fucked up so bad they're firing him <laughs> Do you think anyone pointed out the irony of all the people getting replaced working on the scroll show?
0: Okay, that is pretty funny. I don't think anyone has pointed <laughs> that out yet. That's good. This is why you're here, Nick. <laughs> this is why you're here. Uh, last part here. As it moves forward, Marvel is making concrete changes on how it makes TV. It now has plans to hire showrunner- showrunners. Gal's post-production work on She-Hulk helped Marvel see that it would be helpful for its shows to have creative through line from start to finish. What? Mm-hmm. It's a term we've not only grown comfortable with, but also learned to embrace this Brad Wonderbomb of Marvel. Jesus Christ. Uh, the studio also plans on having full-time TV execs rather than having execs straddle both television and film. We need executives that are dedicated to this medium and are going to focus on streaming and focus on television, says Wonderbomb, because they are two different forms. It is also revamping its development process. Showrunners will write pilots and show bibles. The days of Marvel shooting an entire series from She-Hulk to Secret Invasion and looking at what's working and not are done. Thank Fuck dude.
1: Ooh.
0: <clears throat> so that was a lot. Sorry again. But my God. You mean writing pilots and show Bibles are gonna help things stay more consistent?
1: What? That's it's like if insane. you have a plan for your show and don't just shoot it on the whim. Right. Amazing. I mean, look at Loki. Yeah. That's a great show. And season two of Loki was the first Marvel thing ever to not have reshoots. Yeah. Because they planned it ahead. Yes. And took their time with it. Yes. And the pilot might have been their best or the premiere of season two might've been their best episode of Disney plus television. Absolutely. Or at least up there. Yeah.
0: And also I think in the long term this is great news, but we're not going to see these effects until after echo comes out, you know? Yeah. So it's going to be a minute.
1: I mean, I think it's great that they're starting here and they're obviously going to be probably stemming that into the film division as well. As we saw, like, um, there was just a report that came out too where there was like, a, I think it's in the book um, that just came out about the MCU. Oh, the book about the MCU, yeah. Yeah, and they had a quote from Feige where he's like, man, I really thought we had something with Quantumania. <laughs> yeah. Which made me concerned that they yeah. thought they were cooking in yeah. there and yeah. that's what we got. Yeah, but what this also
0: does in an eye-opening way, yeah. and I'm not just saying this because I've said it before about me liking Michael Waldron, but it opens my eyes up to like, why someone like him was like promoted. And I think it's because they're shooting and doing TV in such a weird, drastic way that the fact that he made Loki so good. Yeah. And then COVID was fucking up Dr. Strange and Spider-Man that he was like, you seem to be good at just rolling with the punches here. Can you please come do Dr. Strange? Mm -hmm. And then like that makes, that makes more sense to me from like how they were doing it. Yeah. Of like why those decisions were made and why I think, Okay, you shouldn't know because you should just never mind. You should do the final product as it is. But to me, like when I watch Doctor Strange 2, I like that movie. I'm one of the only people in the fucking universe apparently that likes that movie. But I also am watching the movie going, How the fuck did this happen with all the bullshit that was going on?
1: Yeah. Like it's crazy to me. And uh, yeah. No, it makes sense when you're trying to do a system, a traditional system in a completely new way. Yeah. It makes sense to go with the person who understands what you're trying to do, even though it's yeah. wrong. But yeah. it was like, I get it. Yeah. Let's let's go. Yeah. Uh-huh. Man, what a mess. It is a
0: mess. And and I think that one of the good things coming out of these strikes are going to be them be able to take a step back and make decisions like this. And also, the article doesn't mention it. If you don't think the writer strike and the awesome deal they got doesn't have something to do with the fact that Marvel's going to have showrunners
1: now, it definitely does. It absolutely has something to do with that. It'll... So they're probably just going to have to roll through the punches of... I know we've heard a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff about Echo being kind of a a miss. Yeah. So they're just going to kind of have to take that one and go to the next. Yeah. And and I
0: also think that we knew it would take a couple years to feel the effects of what Bob the changes Bob Chapek made when he came to Disney and was saying, like, I need four TV shows a year from Marvel and Star Wars. Now it's going to take a couple years to feel the Return of Iger effect of, like, the slow the fuck down, and figure out the shit you're gonna make. Take as much time as you need. Let's. Yeah, and the strikes. But the, now the strikes are gonna accelerate that of getting to what Iger wants. Cause I think literally after Echo, they haven't done that. They don't have anything finished.
1: No, I think just on the dock it's Wonder Man. Yeah, but they, they haven't resumed filming on that. No. And I've heard, have you seen those rumors? Uh, I've seen rumors, some rumors. Rumors, 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 yeah. rumors, 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 rumors. <laughs> that Wonder Man might just get scrapped. Yeah,
0: I've seen those rumors. I'm not entirely sure about that.
1: Uh, I think they'll it, just retool it I think same because you don't yeah. want to piss off Dustin Daniel Creighton when he's directing your King Dynasty movie you don't want to piss him off you want to keep the talent of Yaya Abdul-Mateen II correct and I think wasn't Bob Odenkirk attached to that too uh-huh. yep. like and you're bringing back Ben Kingsley like, you do yep. not want to upset yep. that cast yeah exactly so it's going to be interesting to see how it goes
0: now going back to what I want to talk about I really hope that it's canon guys I hope that that's what we get out of this <laughs> that would be fun and Foggy and Karen back. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. But uh, but yeah. Uh, what do you guys think about all this Marvel craziness with Daredevil and how they're going to reshape TV? Let us know in the comments as we move on to our main topic of the day, which is going to be piggybacking off of this. What is Marvel's biggest problem? And we, it was a discussion that we started having at our favorite Irish pub, Kitty O'Shea's. And then we were like, we should probably save this for the show. <laughs> we were like, we should save this for the show. <laughs> And uh, I, I want to I give you the floor first on this, Nicholas. Um, in your mind, when you yeah. look at... Because clearly, the reason... What caused this topic is we were talking about how it's clear whether you love or hate Marvel. It's There's issues. It's clear that mm-hmm. post-Endgame, it's on the decline. Yeah. Now, it has its ups that it'll pop up, but it seems to be on the decline in terms of the general audience. Mm-hmm. I've liked most of it. There's some things that I'm like, Wow like most of She-Hulk and all of Secret Invasion were just like, my God. Mm -hmm. And Quantumania was not as good as it should have been. Mm -hmm. But with that said, when you look at this, in your opinion, what is the biggest
1: problem with Marvel right now? I think it is sort of like a too big to fail scenario. It's just expanded so much that it's reached a point of unsustainability. Mm -hmm. And... With that comes, obviously, Bob Chapek's uh, direction of four shows and two movies. Is that what it was? I think three. Three movies and four shows. Obviously, you're going to have to keep going to this well. And with that, they used that as an opportunity to introduce so many different characters. But in doing so, there's not really any sort of central direction You know, when you look at phase one, you have a Captain America movie, you have a Hulk movie, you have an Iron Man movie, you have a Thor movie, and then you have an Avengers movie. Mm -hmm. Looking at phase four, there was no overarching story. It was just character introduction. And even going into phase five, we're getting very loose threads of this Kang storyline, but even still not really sure what it's actually building toward. Even watching Quantumania, you're like, okay, but like... Is he going to come back for revenge against Ant-Man and then all the other Avengers? like It was very directionless. Yeah, And I think it's just this large, expansive universe that is just sort of, much like the multiverse, just branching into too many directions to keep up with. And I think part of it also is having this, wanting to make a cinematic universe that is like the Marvel comic universe, Where everything is interconnected and characters are popping up and down and left and right and here and there, but they're not putting the money in to have those crossovers in an organic way that makes sense. Because when you look in the past and you look at, let's say, Thor Ragnarok, Doctor Strange fit perfectly into that, Mm -hmm. his scene. Yeah. obviously, Benedict Cumberbatch is very expensive. Mm-hmm. but You need to do it. They did it with Spider-Man, but Spider-Man was Sony, and mm-hmm. that was part of a trade deal. Yeah, um, Going back as far as to like Ant-Man, where you have the Falcon cameo, makes sense. Should have been Chris Evans' as Captain America, would make the most sense. But it still worked, in a sense. But now it's sort of random pop-ups where you can tell that the actors were not there mm-hmm. with each other. The yeah. biggest one, I would say, recently would be like, daredevil in she hulk but that was more of to introduce daredevil than to build onto a story yeah like it did feel a little bit unorganic Mm -hmm. it was just like and he's here yeah you know so i think that's also part of it and just having these huge threads that any other references to other movies are just set designers having fun yeah you know, we see a Kingo poster every now and then. We mm. have a Rogers the musical sign in the background. And you're like, oh remember that from Hawkeye? Yeah. But like when Hawkeye is fighting Kingpin down at the Rockefeller Center and Spider Man's apartment's mm. literally on that block, where is he? Now yeah. I know that there's legal legalities with Sony and everything like that, yeah. but still like it just that kind of stuff bothers me at this point.
0: And you know, I see what you mean, and, and I feel bad because I think it's a bit damned if you do, damned if you don't with Marvel on in regard to that. Because with the specific examples like having Benedict Cumberpatch and stuff pop up, they used to make actors sign like nine movie deals, yeah. and so they could do stuff like that. And you'd think, oh, why not just keep that up? Well, it turns off actors when you they wonder they're going to sign like years of their life away to somebody for one prize. Like it's just, it's just very just like e- I don't know. Like yeah. listen to the story of Don Cheadle. When they said, Marvel called him when he was at his kid's birthday party and said, you have like you have to decide in like an hour if you want to sign this nine movie deal. Mm-hmm. It's like, Jesus Christ. You know, like that's crazy. Yeah, And Marvel as a way to attract more talent has stopped doing that. But damned if you do, damned if you don't, now they can't do things like that without doing individual negotiations, mm-hmm. which does make them more expensive. Yes. So it, it is a problem, yeah. Uh, to me, Marvel's biggest mm-hmm. problem is it's a two-sided coin. On one side of the coin, it's they're doing too much too fast. On the other side, Kevin Feige's only one dude.
1: Yeah. Well, your first point kind of goes into what I was saying, where it's yeah. just, it's too big yeah. at this point. Yeah. That you can't sustain it. Yeah. And
0: to me, it's just Kevin Feige's only one dude. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to be able to use him on. There's no way. Like, I remember when phase four was coming out, then COVID was starting to be on the mend. 2021. In 2021 and 2022, correct me if I'm wrong, I think Marvel had 15 projects between movie shows and TV specials. I believe that. Like, that's fucking crazy. Yeah. Like, there's no way Kevin Feige had an equal opportunity on all of that. There's no way. No. And you know he was leaning toward films. Like, like that was his thing. Maybe yeah. Falcon and Winter Soldier, because that was supposed to be the first Marvel show before it had to become WandaVision. But it's just like, you know, it's just one of these things where if you want to talk about showrunners like we did before, in regard to movies, Kevin Feige was your showrunner. Mm-hmm. He would bring people in, say, hey, here's the story. You can do whatever you want within these confines, but you have to hit these confines. And everyone, and even the Marvel's director recently did an interview mm-hmm. where she was like, when you sign up for these movies, you're signing up with the understanding that this is Kevin Feige's movie. Yeah. And that you're just here to kind of play in that sandbox and do what needs to be done. And I'm yeah. finally glad someone said it that way. People were giving her shit. I'm like, no, she's being honest about- It's completely correct. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, that, that. I thought that that was a really well thought out thing. But when you have 15 fucking projects, he can't help all of them. Mm-hmm. And he, believe it or not, he's the thing that makes the MCU work. And I'm not trying to give one guy too much credit. A ton of people make the MCU work. Every crew member, every director, every writer, every actor. But look at some of the careers of people post-Marvel. Not have gone the way you think, especially with... Taika Waititi. Mm. Well, not even Taika Waititi, but like the, the Russo brothers. Yeah. And I think they're great filmmakers, but everything they've made since Marvel not great. Mm-hmm. The screenwriters Marcus McFeely have, rightfully so, not been writing that much because if I
1: wrote Infinity War and Endgame, I wouldn't do shit for some time as well. <laughs> well, I mean, even actors too. I mean, Tom Holland can't get a hit out yeah, there. Yeah, I think that's his Spider-Man. agent. But but also like
0: yeah. but even like Robert Downey Jr. did Doolittle and it flopped. Yeah, you know, does all these other things like we Robert Downey Jr. Whatever. Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man That's what mm-hmm. people want to see. Now Oppenheimer is another story because it's fucking Christopher Nolan. Yeah, but it's it's just one of these things where there's only 24 hours in a day. He's one guy. There's 15 projects. Mm-hmm. Like you know, and it, it's been talked about before that the reason why he was so happy about getting Sam Raimi for Doctor Strange two was because he knows Sam Raimi. He's known him for years, and he goes, "Thank God, I don't have to worry about that shit." Like it ha- it's He should have. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> But, like, to him, it's like, I'm not going to have to take this director to school on, like, how we do things here. And not that you should do that with every director, but when you're pulling directors who haven't made that much, who haven't made a big-budget feature, even Taika Waititi talks about, they literally had, like, a crash course on, like, how to make a big-budget movie. And I think that because there's so much and they're too big to fail, like you're saying, there's no time to have breathing room to be able to give these projects what they deserve. Mm Mm-hmm. Because there was even, I think that one of the Miss Marvel writers said that he would just be on Zoom calls, going from show to show, mm-hmm. like in meetings. And it's like that's not, that's not helping anybody.
1: I like to imagine that you had to leave the meeting. Yeah, when other and then we joining, <laughs> just joining like, Kevin Feige's. Yeah, group. like Feige <laughs> wasn't <laughs> leaving.
0: Yeah, that's that's hilarious. But but uh, and look, you can definitely feel some of his influence I've across in Robots for Yes, absolutely. And you can definitely feel some yeah. of his influence across these things. Mm-hmm. That's no doubt. But I also think it's more than apparent that the... I'm going to blame Chapek a little bit here. The Chapek of like, we need to pump shit out, clearly did not work. Mm -hmm. And because also Feige at the time didn't have control over what went on what platform when Chapek was here. He now does, which is why they're redoing Daredevil. And I think we're not going to see this for for a couple years. We're not going to be able to see the positive effects of this change, which is unfortunate in a world where... Instagram gratification, social media is important. Mm-hmm. But I think that because of this and because he now has that power again, I don't think we're going to see four shows, four movies a year. I think we're going to get two and two max.
1: That's what I always said. They should go yeah. with a quarterly release. And I movie think, show, movie show. And I
0: think where Marvel peaked, they when they were at three movies a year, they were fucking killing it. Yeah, They were killing it. And that's crazy, first of all. It's crazy that they can make three movies a year and crush it.
1: I mean, they were cranking out a billion dollars like it was nothing. Yeah. That was opening weekend. It was a machine. Yeah. And the thing is, I think you can get used to that.
0: Anything more than that, you're tipping it,
1: you know? Well, because now you're adding it. That was when they were not doing TV. Yeah. You you have to look at TV as part of that. And they only
0: only knew how to make movies, so then they were making TV-like movies, which works for if your thing is supposed to be a longer movie or a limited series, like WandaVision. That kind of worked. I mean, I think it's a great show. I think it worked excellently. Mm-hmm. But what I mean is that way of making it worked because you still had a head writer and you and it was a truly limited series. Like, there's not going to be Division Season 2. Yeah. You know? Falcon and the Winter Soldier was up in the air before they decided to go with Captain America 4. Loki was meant to be multiple seasons and now they've slowly adjusted to make that show like traditional TV. Yeah. And it's going to go on and so forth, you know? Like, Moon Knight show that I love, suffered because it was made like a film and not like a TV show. It started happening that way. And I think if you let other executives run that and trust your showrunners, what Feige needs to do, he can then focus on the two to three max movies a year that he wants to do, and it can work out. I'm okay waiting till 2030 for Avengers Secret Wars if it means everything
1: leading up to it is fucking great. And it actually has a direction moving forward into it.
0: Yes. And I think that in two years' time... One and a half years' time because of the strikes. We're going to finally see the effects of that. But we're gonna still going to have to trudge through some shit that we know is coming.
1: What? So we have on the docket, there's Echo. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to pull it up right now. There's Wonder Man. The next movie's The Marvels, right? Where next movie is The Marvels. We'll have to have watched WandaVision. Three different TV shows in a movie mm-hmm. Secret Invasion, Miss Marvel, WandaVision, and Captain Marvel 1.
0: Right, so, so fucking
1: the, Infinity War yeah, and Endgame. Yeah, so the next
0: movies, the Marvels. After yeah. that, the
1: next movie is Deadpool three, but we don't know when
0: the fuck that's really gonna come out
1: <laughs> and what that ties into.
0: <laughs> yeah, and then for TV, uh, we've had Loki. Um, we're supposed to get What If season two, but I don't really consider that MCU anymore, mm-hmm. unless until they bring in fucking the Watcher. Um, the next TV show is Echo, and it's in January. And then after that, it's not. It's Agatha. And that's going to be the last show of that old regime of how it was made, because they were filming Ironheart and they were filming Daredevil. I think Ironheart might be the last one, but even then, those shows are so now off of the schedule that they could they could, they're probably going to retool those shows.
1: Yeah, now that they can. now that they
0: can. There's only and, been a little bit of filming, and that Feige has time. Yeah. And I think that they're really going to put the pause button on some of these things of just, like, let's fucking chill out. Thunderbolts and Cap 4, too, on yeah. the docket there. Yeah, And I think Cap 4 started filming. I don't think they finished.
1: Yeah, and I don't even think Thunderbolts got to set yet. If they started, they definitely did not finish. No, yeah. Yeah, so... Huh.
0: We're still supposed to get Blade.
1: <laughs> I'm losing hope on that one.
0: I refuse to lose hope on that one. I want it to happen so bad. But But, yeah... Um, I, I think we but, both yeah. made pretty, uh, yeah. pretty good points here. Because
1: the there's just so many storylines that are threaded and characters being introduced that when are you ever seeing again? I mean, yeah. what, we had Harry's, Hercules. Hercules, uh, Harry Styles at the end of um, Eternals. Eternals. You had, uh, oh my God, what's her name? Charlie's Theron at the end of Doctor Strange. Yeah. And you're like, who are all these people? And yeah. am I ever, ever going to see them again? Yeah. I mean, hell, we got Blade at the end of Moon Knight. Yeah. No, at the end of Eternals. <laughs> at the end of Eternals, too. Sorry, yeah.
0: I, this is not unrelated. I just want to say it again. I liked Eternals. I like it greatly. I've watched it multiple times. I think it's a good movie.
1: <laughs> but uh, but anyway... I just love that the first reference to Eternals came on She-Hulk. Yeah. And it was just a headline on a news site.
0: Yeah, about the, the thing yeah. in the
1: water. Yeah. Yeah. No, and like... Uh, going
0: going back to yeah. on topic, um I think this with the Daredevil thing and them redoing TV, this is the first time Marvel's admitted that they've had a pro- that they have a problem. Mm-hmm. And I think the first step to recovery is admitting that you have a problem. This is true. And so I am confident that they're gonna get back on track. Mm-hmm. Now, just because they can get back on track with quality, does that mean the audience will join you? The we're gonna join them, but I mean the average movie going audience that they got for the infinity saga yeah does that mean they'll come with you tbd we'll have to see Mm -hmm. because sometimes it's too late once you lose them yeah so that's our thoughts on the problem with marvel guys uh do you think that there's a problem if so what do you think it is we'd love to hear the discussion in the comments below as we move on to the b-roll section of our show What is the B-roll? Well, it's kind of like the movie news section of our show, except we just kind of want to bring you some headlines because we don't have time to fully dive into the topic. Nicholas, what's first up on the B-roll?
1: Yes. More than 2,300 film and TV producers on Tuesday are delivering a message to the Alliance of Motion Pictures and Television Producers, also known as the AMPTP. Yes. The group has delivered a petition to the AMPTP uh, demanding the drop of the P from the acronym that just concluded a brutal negotiation with the WGA to make it just the AMPT.
0: Yeah. Basically they fucked up negotiations so bad with the writers and actors that the producers are like, Hey, I don't want to be associated with you. (laughs) (laughs) And so that's, that's pretty telling. And um, like Jason Blum, Todd Gardner, like a lot of people
1: signed this and I would not be surprised if you actually do see this happen. Mm -hmm. Uh, What do you got for us next? Yeah. Uh, a24 has announced that they plan to expand their strategy from art house gems into more commercial films. This is true. And, you know, we've
0: seen um, A24 make smaller moves like this. Like when they bought Talk to Me at Sundance, mm-hmm. um, which is a type of movie that they would buy, but they bought it with the hopes of this could be a franchise. Yeah. and lo and behold, we're going to get a talk to me. Franchise the damn thing. And um, not only do I think it's, you know, I think it's a good movie, I think it's yeah. fun. People are kind of giving A24 shit for doing this. Like, oh, you were supposed to be the, you were the chosen one, you know. But it's like, listen, they got to make money. They <laughs> lost like $35 million from from is Afraid. And yeah. for a small company like that, they can't be affording to lose $35 million like yeah. that.
1: Do it, if you make it a quality, then you can fund the art house stuff. Of so. course, yeah. it, exactly. Very sustainable model. Exactly. As long as the commercial ones are good. Exactly. Um, I mean, I know they started as kind of ties into another thing. They were kind of the top bidder there for a hot minute on Halloween, which we kind of reported that they were selling the rights to Halloween. Mm-hmm. 824 was in that game for the long haul there, but I think, uh, was it Miramax ended up swooping in and getting yes, it? Yes, I was actually going to say,
0: and the last thing we have in our B-roll yeah. today is Miramax has won the TV and film rights to the Halloween franchise. All right. They're still co-owners on film, which they always have been, yeah. but they've fully absorbed
1: the television rights, which means that they're probably going to launch a TV show 1st Mm-hmm. Cool stuff. I saw a great tweet going back to the A24 stuff. Uh-huh. And I agree with this tweet 100%. It just said, face-off movie, every other year, new director, new actors. Let's see what happens. Oh, hell yes. Let's start getting faces off.
0: That would be super fun and so funny. I agree. <laughs> that would be great. Uh, but yes, guys, with the B-roll section of our, doing our show down, we are now going to move on to the box office. The box office section of our show. And I'm going to pull up the predictions from the box office, Nicholas.
1: Yes, you want me to rattle those off for us? Yes, here? please. You got it up? Yes, I
0: do. We had for your picks: Taylor Swift,
1: mm-hmm.
0: Exorcist, Believer, mm-hmm. Paw Patrol, Saw X, and The Blind. My predictions: Taylor Swift, Exorcist, Paw Patrol, Saw X, and The Creator. I was fucking
1: right, dude. Hell yeah!
0: This never happens. We are never right. <laughs> this ever. is accurate. And this is super exciting. So let's take a deep dive into the box office, shall we? Let's do it. Coming in number one was the Taylor Swift Eras Tour film, making $97 million. Jesus Christ! By the way, these are the Sunday estimates. We'll have the final Monday numbers in the description in the video below. Coming in second, The Exorcist Believer, taking a 58% drop from week one to week two. Not terrible. Uh, Making another $11 million. Coming in third was Paul Patrol, The Mighty Movie, with an, an additional $7 million, dropping 38% from Week 2 to Week 3. Coming in fourth, with a $5.7 million, Saw X, only dropping 27% from Week 2 to Week 3. And coming in fifth, The Creator, making $4.3 million, dropping 31% from Week 2 to Week 3. Now, this is Fascinating. Uh, let's dive into the Taylor Swift one. Yes. It's only opened domestically so far. It will get a worldwide release eventually. They did work out that deal. But right now it's only in America. Insane. And it's made $97 million. The previous record holder for the best concert film of all time was the Justin Bieber one that came out like 10 years ago. Believe. I think that was it. Um, it surpassed the entire run of that film in its opening day. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Opening day or weekend? Weekend, okay. I think. Weekend. And uh, it has now made ninety-seven million dollars. So that's insane. It is more than insane. Um, moving on to The Exorcist Believer, this movie now has a worldwide box office total of eighty-four million dollars. I think a hundred is very likely, mm-hmm. and um, I think they want to get to one fifty to feel confident about that uh, four hundred million they spent for the rights. But on an individual basis, the movie's budget was only thirty million, so it's already made two point eight. It's profitable, baby.
1: That is profitability.
0: But they are definitely going. I think going to do a creative overhaul for the next two films of the franchise.
1: They got to make that money back somehow. Yes, war makes money.
0: Yes, it does. Paw Patrol: The Mighty Movie now has 126 million dollars worldwide on a budget of 30, making 4.2 times its budget. We're seeing Paw Patrol Part Three. Absolutely, that's coming relatively soon. I imagine. Oh yeah, Saw X now has $64 million worldwide on a budget of 13. That is five times the budget, ladies and gentlemen. Five times.
1: That's pretty good.
0: That's incredibly good. And the creator now has a worldwide total of 79. It's going to get to 80 tomorrow, and that's exactly the production budget. So unless this keeps making money all year, Mm -hmm. um, it's not looking good for the creator, unfortunately. Um, I am going to go first on predictions next week. All right. I'm going to do something bold here, Nick. Go on. I think everyone who has seen Taylor Swift this weekend, who wanted to go see it, has seen it. Mm-hmm. And I'm not. I'm not saying it's going to drop like eighty percent. Like I'm not crazy. I do predict a drop of like seventy though. Okay. Maybe sixty-five to seventy. Now. If I'm proven wrong, that's hilarious, Mm. right? That would be crazy. Would be wild. It just dropped like an average 50% drop. But I do think it's going to drop significantly more than a typical movie would. And I'm going to will this into existence. I'm going to go Killers of the Flower
1: Moon, opening number one. Okay. Solid choice. Solid choice. Thank you. Always bet on Scorsese. So you got to sometimes. You got to. I think the marketing of this film has
0: been really great. And if we're lucky enough to have the actor strike solved by then, which probably not, if we're lucky enough to have the actor strike solved by then, I think, I think you're going to see a bunch of Leo everywhere, yeah, <laughs> promoting the movie. Um. So yes, that number one, number two, I will give it back to Taylor Swift. Okay. Number three, I'm going to give The Exorcist Believer. Number four, Paw Patrol. Number five, Saw X.
1: All right. Well, Dalton, I am going to go opposite you, and I'm going to go Taylor Swift number one. Okay, hey, listen, that's the safe choice. Because I like your point of everyone who's seen it would have seen it. I counter that. They will be seeing it again.
0: Again. (laughs) Hey, that's fair. That's totally fair.
1: I'm going to go Killers of the Flower Moon, obviously, number two. And then honestly, at this point, I'm just going to keep it the same with you. Exorcist, Paw Patrol, and Saw X.
0: It's going to be interesting to see what happens. It will be
1: interesting, that's for sure.
0: Now, look, *Killers of the Flower and Moon* is three and a half hours. That's going to hinder how many show times it has. Yep. But I'm thinking it's going to make around fifty. Mm-hmm. Like I think it's going to open actually pretty high. I think it's going to follow that Oppenheimer pattern of people just wanting to see new Scorsese, just like new non-blockbuster movies again. And I think if Taylor Swift drops seventy percent, like I think it will, that's under fifty. Mm-hmm. So.
1: That that's my rational. It's a valid choice. Mm-hmm. I there's another football game before then. And oh shit, I think you're Gary right. Swift is there.
0: <laughs> you're right. <laughs> you are right. Um, we'll have to see how that goes. But uh, but yeah, um, guys, that is our show. Uh, we have an audio only version if that's what you prefer. And if you're listening audio only, please come over to YouTube and hit subscribe. Um, if you'd like to see more videos where we take a topic outside of the movie news and kind of break it down like we did today and on the previous show, please let us know. We'd love to do some more of that. And um, as always, I've been Dalton Burdett. I've been Nick Eric. And we'll see you on the next one.